Rock and Road Pod, MCN London Motorcycle Show Special. Hello, this is Leona Graham. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode seven of the fourth series. And today's episode is an MCN Motorcycle Show Special. I speak to Emma Franklin from MCN about exactly what the London Motorcycle Show is all about. I chat to professional motorcycle racer Peter Hickman. I talk to a band who are most likely responsible for the mix of metal and biking, Saxon. We hear from my son Dexter all about my motorbike and what's actually happened to it, if you haven't heard, and I'll give you the update on that. And you can win tickets to the MCM Motorcycle Show. If you're listening to this show before midnight on the 31st of January, follow me on Instagram to find out more at Leona Graham DJ. But first, let's talk to Emma Franklin. Rock and Road Pod, MCN London Motorcycle Show Special. Please welcome to the podcast Emma Franklin from MCN. Emma, how are you? I'm really good, Leona. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. And oh. this is an MCM Motorcycle Show special. Oh, I know. So um, I thought, who better to ask and give us a sort of description of what the show is all about than our Emma. So yeah. can you tell us what is it all about? Well, I can, yeah, if I can remember. So we can cast <laughs> our minds back to 2020, which was the last time it happened. So, yeah, we're raring to go because it's we've obviously not had it for a year. So MCM basically takes over the London Excel Centre and we've crammed the place full of, like, must-see um, biking things to do, um, bikes to see, biking celebrities from across touring, from across adventure riding, from across sport, you know, everyone's going to be there and there's just like you know it's it's just like rocks up your february basically so uh yeah, yeah we've got like all the all the hottest new uh, 2022 models from yamaha ducati honda bmw indian kawasaki suzuki ccm triumph i think the langan is going to be there as well so there's loads of loads of cool bikes for you to do the all important sit down test on you know try them out for size and then one for anyone or anyone who's a massive um, Valentina Rossi fan which we all are really <laughs> um, so the show organizers we've managed to get um, a bunch of his championship winning bikes together all in one place and this is like I don't think it's ever happened before or if it has you know it might not happen again so yeah. we've got his championship winning bike his very very first one so the factory Aprilia 125 from 97 and then we've got his Aprilia 250 from 99 and then we've got his four stroke championship winning bikes from Yamaha so we've got a bunch of M1s from 2004 and 2005 and 2008 and 2009 so they'll be all on display for you to like get your Instagram pictures of and um, I think the, the the stand itself it's got um, people interviewed, so uh, Rossi's like key personnel who helped him win those championships. So you learn a little bit about actually what it took to help Rossi win those championships with those bikes. So wow. it's going to be amazing. <laughs> that is is just pretty spectacular in itself, isn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're such special bikes, aren't they? And to be so close to them, I mean, you won't be able to sit on them or anything like that. They're behind ropes, obviously, because they're right. priceless. But you'll be able to get good enough pictures of them to wow your friends. <laughs> but there are loads of bikes you can sit on and try out, aren't there? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I think we've got some new Yamahas being launched there. So there'll be some special um, UK bikes that haven't, haven't come out there so yeah you'll be able to have a sit down and um yeah try them out for size and pick which one you're gonna spend your money on this year hopefully if you're lucky <laughs> and on my podcast i'm going to be speaking to peter hickman and uh, he's going to be doing something there as well can you tell us about that oh yeah so it's not just static displays at the show we've got um 
our live action special which takes right place right in the middle of the hall and it's called king of the king of the roads this year so we've got two team captains we've got john mcginnis is one of them and we've got peter hickman and they've got a bunch of young um you know championship or championship winning riders who are on their teams and basically they go head to head on like this indoor short track arena which they've called like a tt course this year i think it's even got a jump like Ballard bridge so you'll be able to see these uh legends of uh, motorcycling going sort of elbow to elbow around um this indoor arena and you know they don't leave they put it all out there you know this isn't for show these guys are racers and they all want to win so yeah it's really really good um so, so yeah. it sounds like a really good sort of day out isn't it i mean oh, it, it's from it's over the weekend of the uh, 11th to 13th of february so you can go on the friday saturday or sunday that's right, yeah. And it's sort of 19 quid for adults and I think kids under 15 go free. But we're doing something called a paddock pass, which for £40, it gets you into the show and it gets you a grandstand seat to watch, um, you know, this, the King of the Roads indoor uh, action arena. And then it also gets you sort of VIP access to the riders as well. So you'll be able to sort of meet and chat with the uh, riders like John McGuinness and Peter Hickman and all the other guys like uh, Charlie Nesbitt, Danny Webb, Chrissy Rouse. And we've got the Neve brothers as well. So if you're a fan of racing, you don't want to miss out. Oh, we also throw in a, um, a volunteer you know rossi special um glossy sort of bookazine which is worth 10 pounds on its own so it's really good value did you say bookazine bookazine yeah <laughs> i've <laughs> not, not heard that before yeah okay. it's, it's a phrase we use not a magazine not a book okay. it's sort of like a lovely glossy sort of um yeah it's really nice really nice that is fantastic and uh, will we see you down there emma yeah, I'm hoping to be there on the Saturday and the Sunday. So, yeah, I'll be there with my MCN T-shirt. So come and uh, say hello. Fantastic. All right, well, we can't mm-hmm. wait. And thank you so much for the update from MCN. That's brilliant. Thank you. This is the Rock and Road Pod, MCN London Motorcycle Show Special. Welcome to the podcast, Peter Hickman, professional motorcycle racer. Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much, Leona. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. So my podcast is um, for not necessarily all-and-out bikers that listen, so can you explain a bit about what you do? <laughs> yeah, it's quite simple, really. I race motorbikes, round and round <laughs> in circles. <laughs> no, I um, I race in the British Bike Championship all across the UK, so iconic tracks such as Silverstone, Donington, Carroll Park, uh, Alton Park, Brands Hatch. Oh, yeah. Um, amongst many others of course and then i also race um in some of the big international road races so the northwest 200 uh in northern ireland the ulster grand prix in northern ireland macau grand prix um obviously in macau through the city which is a really um unusual and classic race has been going for a long time and is then the probably the, most, the, the last one is the isle of man tt oh. so that that one's been going for yeah over 100 years now so um that's the most probably iconic one that everybody's probably heard of whether they're into bikes or not yeah we'll come on to that because that is legendary but i just want to ask how did you get started in racing uh well my daddy actually used to race in uh back in the 70s before i was born my ad but um <laughs> I, I, I still grew up around it so um when he finished racing he, um, he became a development engineer and a mechanic for lots of different teams in the grand prix paddock and also in the british superbike paddock so right from being a kid i, I grew up around it all and always wanted to race um he never wanted me to race at all so wouldn't let me have a bike or anything so I bought my own when I was 12 without telling him with my own Ooh. pocket money and hid it around the back of the house. You didn't? Yeah, so that's how, how it all How did you get started. away with that? Did he find out in the end? Yeah, it took about three weeks, but I, yeah, <laughs> I eventually got a very um, a stern telling off. Did he let you keep it? 
Yeah, he did actually. Yeah. Um, once he kind of got over it and got over his anger, um, <laughs> he decided he wanted to help and um, show me the right direction rather than let me do all the mistakes that he made when he started because he did it all by himself. It was obviously a natural progression with him doing it and then you moving into it as well. And now you're with FHO Racing. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So with, um, I, raced, uh, I raced with FHO Racing in 2021, uh, which is a new team. Uh, team owner is Faye Ho, who is from Macau. Yes, I had her on the podcast a year ago, actually. Um, ah. She's she's fantastic. She's instrumental in the support of women bikers as well, isn't she? Yeah, she is, absolutely. And, and last year, 2021, was the first time she'd ever run her own team. So she's been involved a little bit with teams, helping a little bit out here and there and everywhere, a bit of sponsorship and stuff. Um, but last year, she actually ran her own team for the first time. So very big experience, lots of new stuff for her. And, um, yeah, she, she's ended up helping out three girls now she sponsors in the sport that are up and coming, as well as myself and uh, a few of the other riders as well. Yeah, she's doing so well. And you've re-signed with her again this year and you had a good year last year. What's new for 2022 for you? Well, finally, hopefully, the road racing's back on. So the Isle of Man TT, the Northwest, um, the Ulster, looks like they're all now going to be back on this year, which they haven't been for the last two years. So it's been three years since we've been to the Isle of Man. So um, finally, we hopefully get to go around, uh, around the most iconic race in the world. So for anyone listening that doesn't know what the Isle of Man race is, can you explain it to us for a new listener? In layman's terms. Yeah. Sure, no worries at all. Uh, the Isle of Man is a little island in between uh, the UK and... Uh, an island in the middle of the Irish Sea. Uh, and we basically race around the closed roads. So they close off nearly 38 miles worth of normal A roads, um, all pretty much all the way across the island. It's only a small island, maybe I think about 55 miles top to bottom and only probably about 30 across. Um, but the, the track itself is 37 and three quarter miles around. The race has been going for over 110 years. Um, and say we, we race around completely normal roads, so it's not a racetrack, it just turns into a racetrack. So they close the roads off. And we How long do they close it. them for? Uh, it depends. So um, we have two weeks worth of uh, practice and racing. So there's a week of practice, a week of racing. Um, the roads aren't closed for all that time, of course, because uh, most people need to get to work and stuff like <laughs> I was that. going to say. <laughs> but they normally close off for probably about three or four hours at a time. So if you live there, you know, you've got to embrace it, really, haven't you? You couldn't like not like it. Absolutely. Motorsport <laughs> is um, a massive part of the Isle of Man. So okay. if you live on the Isle of Man and don't like motorsport, you're in the wrong country. Yeah, because a friend of mine was saying that, you know, literally the end of your front path, there'll be motorbikes whizzing past at like hundreds of miles an hour. It's just crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the most um, amazing thing about it, really. When you if, if no one's ever been, you need to go and watch because you can actually stand on a, on a roadside and watch a bike pass you at nearly nearly 200 miles an hour. Uh, I mean, the most I've been clocked at on the through the speed trap at Sulby is 196, but it's not necessarily the fastest place on the course. Um, there are a couple of places where we do touch just over 200 miles an hour um, on a normal A road. That's just mental, isn't it, really? Uh, do yeah, you have the lap is. record? I do, yeah. So I actually have the lap record for uh, the outright lap record for the Isle of Man TT, which was an average speed of 135.4 miles an hour. Amazing. So the Isle of Man's coming up. And when is that exactly? Uh, the Isle of Man's always the end of May and beginning of June. Um, so we say we get a week of practice and then uh, a week of racing. But you can't wait to get back out there. 
No, can't wait at all. So I've got six classes that I'm entering this year as well. So I'm not just racing the super bike. I race the super stock bike, uh, the super sport bike and the lightweight bike. So it should be good. Going back to British Superbikes, can you take the fight to Yamaha this year? That's definitely the plan. Um, we had a really strong year last year. We were the top BMW team in the British Superbike Championship. Um, we beat the, the official BMW team, if you like, because we are a private team at the end of the day. Um, we had a couple of wins. I had a few podiums and we finished fifth in the championship. Um, we weren't that far away, to be quite honest. We, we actually went into the last round of the championship with a mathematical chance of still winning. Which is um which is really cool. I think it was a massive achievement for a brand new team. Mm. So this this year, obviously, we want to build on that, and um, we want to be aiming for for beating everyone. Now, can you tell us about Ovali? Yeah, I am the UK importer for Ovali. Uh, Ovali is an Italian uh, motorcycle manufacturer that make mini GP bikes. Is the best way to describe them. So they're in between a mini moto and what you see on the Moto Three Grid in World Championship. So um, we have. Well, they're available for kids from kind of seven, eight years old upwards. I've, uh, with along with the British Mini Bikes Championship, um, I've set up a couple of kids championships in the UK, which we didn't have, and they're all have to run the same bike, the same tires, the same engines that are sealed, so nobody can touch them, apart from my company that does engine rebuilds, um, to basically try and make a really fair class in the UK. Yeah keep the rules pretty stock um, we have a 110 cc class and a 160 cc class um, i like the 160 cc class at the minute it's really taking off with the fim has been involved which is the mass they are the governing body of all motorcycle sport in the world um, they ran a championship last year where all the national championships could run their own championship and then the top three winner or the top three of each of the national championships went to spain and then got an all expenses paid basically um, weekend racing in front of all the MotoGP stars, which was awesome. And these were all kids between 10 and 14. Brilliant. I mean, do you see it as a way of bringing talented kids through into the professional side eventually? Yeah, that's that, that's the whole point of it, really. It was um, I wanted to develop a championship that um, that we need, I think, in the UK and that wasn't there when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's fantastic that you're doing that and contributing in that way. Can you tell us about the MCN London show? Yeah, um, the MCN London show is now at the XL. used to be down at the Alley Pally originally, but now it's at the XL. Um, been at the XL for a good few years now. Um, and I've had a stand there the last couple of years. And I'm going to go back there with a stand again this year. So I've got a PHR performance um I have a performance bike centre, if you like. So one-stop shop, pretty much, for, for anything to do with bikes. Um, and will so Ovali yeah, be, be there as well, this showcase the Ovali side as well? Yes, I will be, yeah. So there'll be Ovali bikes there. There'll be PHR performance bikes there, showing what we can do as a company. There'll be all my own personal merchandise that I um, do for, for everybody. Uh, and then we're also, me and McGuinness are going head-to-head with um, a team's race. We're going to have our own teams, and we do a bit of flat track racing in the middle of the, of the whole arena, which will be quite cool. Oh, really? Is that uh, any particular time that we should take note of? Uh, as far as I'm aware, we're going to be racing every single day, so um, about three or four times a day. So oh, OK. <laughs> if, if, if you're going, you'll see it. We've got a good chance <laughs> of seeing it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. OK, well, it was absolutely lovely to meet you and chat to you and to find out more about what you do as a professional motorcycle racer. Good luck with all the, the races this year, and uh, we will look out for you at the London show. No worries. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you too. Rock and Road Pod, MCN London Motorcycle Show Special. 
So, Dexter, come and join me on the podcast and tell everybody what's been happening. Uh, we went to Brighton. Two people stole our bike. Our motorbike, yeah. Yeah. And somehow they dodged a car coming past and somehow they broke the chain lock in seconds and somehow they got the motorbike in one minute. Isn't that impossible, right? Well, that's what I would have thought. Um, Now, I've got CCTV, so we were able to capture the entire theft on three different cameras. They stole it. They put the motorbike into a yellow van and some people were investigating and... They were very skilled, high-skilled. They had gloves, everything, no evidence. Yeah, they had their gloves on, they were wearing masks. Weirdly, one of them was wearing sliders. He was literally stealing a motorbike in flip-flops. I think they were quite young. And as a car went down the road, they dived behind my fence. So they they just seemed very professional. They knew exactly what they were doing. They got in and out within one minute to steal the motorbike. Um, I'd seen them, rewinding the cameras, I'd seen them go past in their yellow van five minutes beforehand to check it all out. They'd come in to see what the bike was like. And then they came back five minutes later to do the actual robbery. So it's very well executed. Now, I did get a call from the police at the weekend, or Honda did, uh, to say that the bike has been found. What we don't know at this stage is what condition the bike is in. A passerby had contacted the police for whatever reason and said, this bike looks like it's stolen, which suggests to me it's just been left in a ditch somewhere or something. So I don't know what state the bike is in, and I will keep posted on that. The other weird thing is that there was no tracking on it. Now, it has got a tracker, but the way they disabled the tracker so quickly is what has also astounded me. We got a notification to say the bike was being was being moved initially, but then nothing after that. As soon as they got it into their van that was it the tracker was off so fast work but we will catch them the bike's been found we know the color of the van we know the make of the van it's a yellow for transit custom and if you want to keep up to date with the drama of my stolen motorbike uh, follow me on twitter at leona graham Uh, dexter have you got anything else to add this week Yes. Go on. I accidentally got COVID somehow in school, but I'm amazed. I'm all right, but this morning I felt a little bit bad, a little bit dizzy, but I'm still all right if anyone's caring about me. Oh, darling, of course we are. And if you're wondering how I'm talking to him in the vicinity of a studio right now, uh, let's just say that Dexter and COVID and isolation are not things that go very well together, are they, Dexter? No. You've not done very well at keeping away from everybody uh, in our family. And we've, we, we tried to shut you in a room. How long did that last? Uh, about five minutes. Yeah, and we tried to say, stop breathing on us, stop touching us. And how have you managed that? I'll give that a 5%. Yeah, 5%. <laughs> All right, then. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast this and week. And I got one thing. Oh, yeah. go on, go on. What, what? Uh, on this Friday, I accidentally knocked my fish into a door and my tooth fell out and I got one pound. Very amusing. Bye. From the tooth fairy. Yes, he did. He, he got his tooth fairy pound. Uh, so I'll keep up to date on the motorbike and that's it uh, from Dexter this week. Now, moving on to the next part of the podcast, which is music. We've done motorbikes, but now music, which actually overlaps rather well into motorbikes, because this band can be described as the link between biking and music, and certainly heavy metal, in the first place. It's Saxon. Please welcome Biff Byford of Saxon. Hi there, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you, yeah, you okay? 
Yes, all good, thank you. Um, so you've got a new album out on the 4th of February. Can you tell us about your new album? Well, I, I can try to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's our 23rd album, um, which is, um, you know, pretty, pretty good to say we've been together since, what, 1979? So, yeah. Yes, that's quite a lot of albums. I, I think I think it's fair to say you've had a lot of albums out. So this one's called Carp Diem. Yeah, Carpe Diem, which means seize the day in Latin. So I figured that was a pretty good title for an album, uh, considering what we've all been through the last two years. Yes, was it relating to everyone's experience? I know you've been, uh, you were ill as well just before COVID, weren't you? Uh, yeah, we, we sort of wrote, wrote it before COVID, but I didn't write the lyrics until we were well into it. So uh, I hadn't really settled on song titles and lyrics. We just had, uh, you know, bits of music really uh, before COVID happened. So it was, um, you know, a lot of the, the titles were influenced by being in lockdown, I suppose. Yes, uh, the new single, particularly Remember the Fallen. Can you tell us what that one's about? Well, it's basically a song about uh, COVID, really. I mean, I, it's one of the last songs I wrote. So, uh, you know, I was a bit torn between should I, should I do it or should I not do it or should I sing a song about COVID? But I thought, yeah, let's do it. You know, we're still, everybody around the planet's been through this together. Uh, so I just thought I'd do a song uh, to remember, remember the people that have died, really because yeah. of this, um, you know, ugly little virus thing. And are you back in full health now? Yeah, I'm pretty good now, thanks. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Um, the new album, I like one review, which said, not lacking in pace or bite. Um, how would you describe it? I would say it's, uh, we wanted to make it sort of, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of sort of energy in the album and uh, a positive album. Uh, so I think that's really what we wanted, you know, keep keep the aggression on, on the fast songs, start every song with a great guitar riff, that was the mentality behind the album. So yeah, I would say um, heavy and, uh, and energetic, I would say the album is. Are you the main lyric writer? I'm the only lyric writer, so uh, I get pretty much carte blanche to um, do what I want, really. <laughs> I'm, I'm the only singer as well, none of the other guys really, uh, you know, sing. Well, they might be fantastic singers, but I've never heard them sing. So, um, yeah, so. You keep all the singing to yourself and all the lyrics. I mean, how do you come up with the lyrics after 23 albums? Well, it's hard not to get sort of lethargic and just write the same old stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I like to think of new subjects. You know, some subjects come along, like COVID that wasn't there before. Uh, you know, I'll go to history. There's some great sort of, uh, inspirational things happened in history. So I'll write about that sometimes and I'll just write about uh, life in general, really. So I'm always thinking of ideas and uh, jotting things down in my little black book. Oh, that's brilliant. I was going to ask if you had a little notebook, especially. Well, it's a little, little brown book, actually. Yeah, <laughs> a little, little leather book, yeah. Any tracks on the new album that are relating to history or any of the other themes that you've just mentioned? Yeah, a lot of them. Capidiumis is the day. It's about a Roman wall across the north of England, Adrian's Wall, you know, Age of Steam is about the Industrial Revolution, uh, you know, things like that, really. How do you decide the track order? I just wanted, to, I just try and make it flow from track to track, so it's taking you on a bit of a journey, and not everything sounds the same, you know, so I just like to change the mood of, the, of how you listen to the album. Yes. Although, you know, although if you stream it, you can stream it in any order you want, but um, unless you're Adele, she, she actually 
you know, and got them to do it so you could only stream it in that order, which is actually not a bad thing. But, I don't um, think that's a bad thing either, because but, I like yeah. listening to an album in a specific order, and I think that's completely lost now. Yeah, it is lost, and I think probably Adele did a good thing there. It's an experience, isn't it? And I think the order of the tracks is part of that experience. Um, yeah, we spend a lot of time getting the order right, you know, and I suppose, uh, you know, things like Spotify just destroy that work, really. Yes, and my son was in his room the other day, he's 12 years old, and I said, oh, what are you listening to? And he said, oh, my, my playlist on Spotify. And I'd said, I'd said to him, look, why don't you listen to these albums I've given you, <laughs> trying to make him listen to some CDs I've given him? Because I said, you're not going to learn about any new album tracks, you're only going to keep playing the songs that you already know. Um, so I'm trying to encourage him to listen to albums, because you can find some real gems on albums, can't you? Yeah, you can, you can find some real hits. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, the, the song that said the record company pick a single, you know, uh, sometimes people pick their own single that becomes the main track of the album. You find that all the time when you play songs live. You know, people are always asking to play another song live. Yeah. And that other song becomes the biggest song on the album sometimes. And over all the albums you've had over all these years, um, what, I mean, it's this hard question. Would you be able to pick a favourite <laughs> album of yours? You mean apart from the new one? Yes, apart from the new one, yeah, yeah. I think I like, my favourite album from the 80s of ours would be Denim and Leather, to like 1981, right in that peak period where, you know, Us and Motorhead and Judas Priest and White Snake and Maiden were all on TV and on the radio all the time. So that was a big, a big moment. So I remember, you know, that album being a great album for us. And here we are now in 2022 with your 23rd album. Um, it's, it's quite an achievement. Are you going to be going on tour? We're planning to go on the <clears throat> Carpe Diem Seize the Day World Tour this year sometime. I mean, there's still heavy COVID restrictions across some parts of the world. So we have to sort of take it all carefully, step at a time. But yeah, we're definitely going to be touring the UK later mm. in the year. And we have a lot of festivals to do as well that were canceled from two years ago. So we're pretty busy through the summer across Europe, uh, not so much in the UK, but across Europe, we're doing lots of festivals, but quite a lot of people travel to these European festivals because some of these festivals have huge bills, you know, massive bills uh, that you don't really see at festivals much. Maybe Download is probably the biggest, I would say rock metal festival. They have quite a good bill, but some of the ones in Europe have massive bills. Now, my, my actual podcast um, is about uh, motorcycles and music. Uh, <laughs> so I just want to ask you about your motorcycle life. Um, are you still riding? Yeah, I was still riding up to about a month ago. And I sold, I sold my motorcycles um, uh, to a month ago. But, uh, I mean, you know, in the 80s, we were always known as uh, a sort of biker band because of songs like Motorcycle Man and, and, you know, things like that, really. So we had a big uh, big following in the biking world back then, and still do, I think. Uh, do you think you started that, the connection between biking and heavy metal? Yeah, I think, I think in, probably in England, one of the, one of the forefront ones. I think, uh, you know, in America, it's different. There was quite a few bands like, you know, uh, Steppenwolf and things that were quite bikerish, you know. But, um, yeah, I think we put bikes on our album cover. You know, I don't think anybody did that before then. Uh, there's quite a few pop songs, you know, like motorbiking things, but I don't think there was any real heavy 
rock songs. I mean, I think Montrose had Bad Motor Scooter track. Yeah. It was a pretty cool track, but we don't really like scooters and, and lyrics were, you know, in H's. So <laughs> we put motorcycles in there. You know, we were rockers, not mods, basically. So Yes, there was quite a difference. Thing, you know, yeah. Yeah. And you said that you've you've sold your bikes now. Are you giving up biking or? No, no, I, no, no. I just sold them for winter. I had okay. I had an Harley Davidson uh, that I sold, uh, a Springer Softail, and uh, I had a Saxon bike that uh, I had in 1980. Um, used to go on the road with it and put it on stage sometimes, and somebody found it in a you know thrown into a back garden, uh, so. Oh. So I bought it off the guy and I restored it and uh, I sold it. Yeah, some lucky guy bought it off me. That's uh, so cool. Ago. I was probably getting another one come spring, you know. Will you stick with the Harley Davidson? I like Harley Davidson's. My Saxon bike was a Goldwing. Uh, oh, lovely. 1100. Yeah. Yeah, I like Harleys. I, I do like Harleys. I think, I think if you're going great distances, you need something like a Goldwing yeah. or something like that. The Harleys are much lower center of gravity. Yeah, you just sit lower. I just think a little bit cooler to, to ride. <laughs> they feel a bit. They feel a bit cooler to ride for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, I do like a Triumph. But, you know, I'm six foot one, so you know that when I had Triumphs back in the day, I used to have a Bonneville and a and uh, oh, Thunderbird. Yes. I was always a bit too big on them. You know, <clears throat> my legs mm-hmm. always, my knees always seem to be under my under my chin. <laughs> so I sort of wanted something a bit bigger, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I always went more for the for the bigger Harleys or the bigger Goldwings. I mean, I had great fun on Goldwing. They're fantastic bikes. We're yeah. really, really reliable. Okay. Well, thank you so much for, for chatting to us here. Um, yeah. And uh, really, really great to, to hear from you. And uh, we can't wait to hear more from the album. That's on February the 4th. And um, good luck with your live dates. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been great talking to you. And uh, I'll see you on the road sometime. Love to. You're listening to the MCN London Motorcycle Show special of the Rock and Road Pod. Good to hear Saxon on the podcast this week, wasn't it? And great to hear from Emma Franklin and Peter Hickman all about the MCN London Motorcycle Show, which is the 11th to 13th of February. And if you're listening to this show before midnight on the 31st of January 2022, you can still win tickets. Follow me on Instagram to find out how, at Leona Graham DJ. And if you want to bump into me down at the London Motorcycle Show, I'm going to be there on this Saturday, the 12th of February. So if you do see me, feel free to come and say hi. I will have have my podcast microphone with me so I may very well end up interviewing you for this very podcast catch you soon this has been the rock and roll podcast